John chapter 10. That hymn is a sermon in itself. John chapter 10. Again, I welcome everyone this morning, and I appreciate your prayers yesterday. It's amazing sometimes how you sense and feel and know your adversary is uh, attempting to keep you from studying God's Word in order to preach it to God's people, but God has been good, and and, uh, in spite of all that hectic yesterday, gave me sweet comfort and gave me also sweet fellowship with His Word for the little time I did have. Jesus, the very thought of Thee, with sweetness fills my breast. But sweeter far thy face to see and in thy presence rest. But what to those who find all this nor tongue nor pen can show? The love of Jesus, what it is. None but his loved ones know. John chapter 10, verse 27. My sheep hear my voice. And I know them. I think those are the three most gracious words of this text. I rejoice that we hear His voice and we follow Him with eagerness and love. Yet those three words in the center of this text is what constrains us. I know them and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. Let me begin the message this morning with a question that I uh, hope you'll answer within your own hearts. When is the last time that you or I simply stopped what we were doing and meditated and prayed and fellowshiped with Christ. I don't mean picking up a book and reading it and trying to learn more about, you know, our holy Christian faith and the doctrines of our faith or just mainly reading Scripture to learn more in a search to know more about Christ, which we should be doing always. But when is the last time that we have seriously, genuinely stopped everything we were doing and simply meditated and thought about what we have in Christ and what Christ is to us. We live in a world that I know myself working two jobs and preaching is very hectic and chaotic. And sometimes we're driven by the necessities of this present life to continue on doing these things. And sometimes we tend to forget that we need to stop what we're doing and just spend time alone with God. If our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, as He walked amongst men, felt the need to depart 
and separate himself from his disciples in the world to go into the mountain to pray, to be alone with the Father. What need do we have to follow his example, to spend time with Christ? As Lazarus lying in Abraham's bosom, a picture of sweet communion and fellowship, what need have we of God's children to take time out to meditate and think upon the things of Christ? I encourage you, dearly beloved, in spite of all the hectic and chaos of this world and the things that need to be done in our present life, let us not forget our souls, nor let us not forget the time we need to spend with Christ. For even if that time be short, just a few minutes alone with Christ, when the fellowship is genuine and real, can sustain us for days, if not months. They say, merely the voice of the shepherd calms the often timid and frightened sheep. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. While giving them a true sense of safety and well-being. That's what the voice, they say, of a shepherd does to sheep. It calms their timidness, and when they're frightened, while it gives them a sense of safety and well-being. The shepherd is near. The voice assures me that he's near. I must not, have not see him. He could be veiled from my sight, but I, if I could just but hear his voice, it calms me and it gives me a sense of safety and well-being. Of his love, none know but his own. I watched a video yesterday of a shepherd calling his sheep on a mountain range that was full of fog. You couldn't see the sheep. The shepherd stands there, an old white-haired man, and he's calling his sheep, and he's making some noise. Each one has their own sound and noise, and he's calling his sheep, and suddenly you hear him starting to play, and bah, bah. Uh, you don't see him yet. The fog's got him hidden, and after about 30 seconds, you slowly start seeing him running out of the fog. See, the fog was there, but the voice is what led them to the shepherd. <laughs> oh, I could go on with that. Sometimes the fog blinds us. It simply needs the voice of the shepherd to show us which way we need to go. But if we're unfamiliar with that voice, if we're not acquainted with him, if we don't spend time with him, sometimes we labor so much to grow in knowledge and grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, we never take the time out to sit down and meditate and contemplate on what the things we've learned of Christ. For you see, beloved, our knowledge is no good if it does not lead us to a greater, more intimate fellowship and relationship with Christ. If it makes Christ not more precious to our hearts, our souls, and our minds, the knowledge we possess is nothing. The bond between the shepherd and his sheep is very unique and unlike any other. I am the good shepherd, verse 14 of this chapter says, I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and am known of mine. 
We could sit here for a while and just read these words over and over and spend a lot of time contemplating and meditating. I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep, and I am known of mine. It's mutual. I not only know them, but they know me. He knows them, our Lord says. Not vaguely or in a general sense, but intimately and personal. That's what that means. I know them intimately and personal. For though his sheep take great comfort in Christ knowing all things, and we do, it is his intimate and personal knowledge of his own sheep which brings them their greatest joy and comfort. We all know that God is all-knowing. He knows all things. Nothing in the world is hid from God. We look at this in the greater picture and we see God governing and controlling the whole world. He's sovereign. But beloved, what brings the Christian the greatest comfort is not knowing that he controls the seas and the heart of a king and the nations are but a drop in the bucket. That's good and blessed to know. But the greatest blessing is knowing that he knows me. The God of the universe. The Godhead tree. He knows me. He's acquainted with me. He's intimately acquainted with me. I know my sheep. The psalmist worded it better than I ever could. For he knowest our downsittings and our uprising. He understandeth our thoughts afar off. He compasseth our path and our lying down and art acquainted with all our ways. For there is not a word in our tongue, but, O oh, Lord, Thou knowest altogether. He has beset us behind and before and laid His hand upon us. Such knowledge, He burst out in praise in verse 6. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is too high. I cannot attain unto it. Such an awareness of God's goodness and intimate relationship with Him did not come without Him spending time with God alone. I've said it before, but the psalmist again says, when I, when I look at the heavens, when I observe the heavens and the stars, He takes time out. Even nature, He said, shows me the wonderful grace and mercy of my God. What is man that thou art mindful of Him? Beloved, God, help us to take out time for Christ. I know my sheep and am known of mine. Look at that. The bond is made mutual. It's made mutual by Christ knowing his sheep. We love him because he loved us first. But because Christ knows us, we know him. Do you know Him? Do you know Christ? People boast and say often, yeah, Christ knows me. The question of it is, is not only does Christ know you, do you know Christ? Do you know Christ? For though our knowledge of Him, unlike His knowledge of us, is imperfect and incomplete, as we look, Paul said, through a glass darkly, yet being made his sheep by divine appointment, my Father which gave them me, he says in our text, 
And by his divine calling, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. We know him. Look at me. Look with me at John chapter 17. John chapter 17 in one hand and 1 John 5 in the other. Uh, I want you to see what Christ has obtained for us in the Father giving us the Son and Christ calling us out. Look what Christ has done for us. John 17 verse 1, these words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come, glorify thy Son, that thy Son also may glorify thee, as thou hast given him power over all flesh that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. Sounds like John 10. My Father which gave them me, as thou hast given him, and this is life eternal, that they might know thee. The only true God and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. So often we quickly read over Scripture without giving it much consideration, but you know what it took? for God to give us an understanding to know him and Christ. You know the sacrifice Christ gave to bring us unto God? And again, this word know is not generally or vaguely, but intimately. This is eternal life, that they might intimately know thee, the only true God and Jesus Christ. Look over First John chapter 5, verse 20. And we know that the Son of God has come and hath given us an understanding that we may know Him that is true. What a blessing. And we are in Him that is true, even in His Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. Do you understand the blessedness of that knowledge? Do you understand what it took to give us that divine light? We didn't know God. We didn't understand God. We didn't search for God. We are alienated from God. Christ has come, the Father has given us unto him, and Christ has called us, and now he's given us an understanding that we might know him. I know my sheep and am known of mine. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them. Beloved, such is the intimate and sweet fellowship under which Christ calls his sheep. given unto him by his Father, Christ, beloved, takes great delight in providing their present as well as their eternal cares and needs. Willing, our text says in this chapter, willing and ready to lay down his life for his sheep that they might have eternal life and shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of his hand. Huh. You actually know what happened when Christ called you and I out of darkness into his glorious kingdom, into his sheepfold. My sheep hear my voice, for they know his voice in verses 3 and 4 and 16 and 27 of this chapter 10 of John. We hear this repeated. And beloved, when the Word of God repeats something, it, we need to take heed to pay attention to it. And he says four times in this chapter, they know my voice, they hear my voice, they know me. 
And beloved, this, these words imply much more than merely an intellectual hearing or knowing his voice. Pay close attention to me because I want us to understand what a blessing God has given us, enabling us to hear his voice. It's more than just a literal hearing or knowing his voice, for not everyone hears or knows his voice, but only his sheep, my sheep, hear. They understand what he says to them. They're hearing me. My sheep know. They are very familiar and acquainted with his voice. And Christ makes this truth obvious in this 10th chapter. For look in verse 6. Listen to this. He said, my sheep, in our text, my sheep hear my voice. Four times in this chapter, look what happens to those who are not his sheep. In verse 6 of chapter 10, this parable spake Jesus unto them, but they understood not what things they were which he spake unto them. Now look at verse 24. Then came the Jews round about him and said unto him, How long dost thou make us to doubt? If thou be the Christ, tell us plainly. They don't know his voice. They're not hearing. They're not understanding. They're not acquainted with it. But they come to him and says, If thou be the Christ, tell us plainly. Believe it. Think about this for a moment. Here's Christ literally before them. And they're saying, Are you the Christ? Tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you, and you believe not. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. But you believe not because you're not of. He didn't say you're not, a, you're, you're not my sheep. He said because you're not of. You don't belong to my sheepfold because you're not of my sheep. As I said to you, my sheep hear my voice. He said, I've been telling you and telling you, but you're not hearing. You're not knowing my voice because you're not of my sheep. Now, I want to emphasize our text here, okay? When he speaks about hearing and knowing his voice, it's much, much more intimately more than, general, than a general hearing or just a, a, a literal hearing of it, intellectual assent. It's much more than that because I want you to understand, look at what Christ is saying in chapter 10. Christ is standing literally in front of them. The words which Christ is speaking is coming literally from his mouth. This is the Son of God. This is the, she the shepherd. He's literally in front of them. He's speaking the words, and they still don't understand. When I contemplated on this this last week, I was amazed how many people at this very moment are sitting in churches around the, word, around the world hearing the word of God. They're hearing it, and yet they're not understanding it. They're like these Pharisees. Tell us plainly. And it's amazing that here is the very Son of God literally in front of them saying these words so they can literally hear them, and they still don't understand the words of Christ. Isn't that amazing? You think if Christ says it literally in front of you, you would believe it. But because they're not a sheep, he didn't understand them. Beloved, one may diligently read, even quote scripture. One may even intellectually defend his convictions and debate the great doctrines of our most holy Christian faith. Yet, the question is, do we hear his voice? That's the question. 
Because I'm amazed that Christ, when He literally stands before them and says the word that they can hear it, they don't understand it. But He gives us an understanding as a sheep that we might hear His voice. What an amazing blessing that is. Do you, believe, do you understand what darkness we were in before Christ called us into His glorious light? We did not hear anything God said. We couldn't comprehend it. We couldn't understand it. What an amazing thing God did for His sheep. My sheep hear my voice four times in this chapter. They know my voice and they follow me. There's an intimate fellowship with my sheep. I'm speaking to you literally as the Son of God and you can't hear me because my Father did not give you unto me and you're none of my sheep. And yet he turns around and he says, but my sheep hear my voice. Beloved, what a blessing we have in Christ. Do we know His voice? Do we hear His voice? Are we understanding it? Are we acquainted with it that we are lovingly constrained to follow Him? I know my sheep and I have known of mine. Do you know Christ? Do you know Christ? Not of Christ. Many people can learn of Christ. Judas walked amongst the disciples for apparently for approximately three years, and none of them knew he was of the devil except Christ. Oh, the flesh can get so fearfully religious. Man is the king of deception. Sinful man. He deceives himself into believing a lie. And the question of it is, do you know his voice? Do you hear his voice? When you open up the Word of God, do you you understand what we have in the Word of God? Do you understand what we have when God says, now read it and meditate on And when you read it and God speaks to you through the Word of God, through your Bible studies, through the preaching of the Word of God, and you hear the voice of Christ, and he gives your heart and your mind and your soul comfort and encouragement. Song of Solomon defines it well in five, chapter 5, verse 2. She said, I was asleep, but my heart waked. It is the voice of my beloved that knoweth, that knocketh, saying, Open to me, my sister, my love, my dove, my undefiled. She was asleep, but what awoke in her heart? It was the voice of her beloved. When I was contemplating this passage of Scripture driving down uh, 84 towards Bangs yesterday, my heart rejoiced and I almost had to pull over and just stop for a few minutes in the midst of all the chaos and hectic yesterday. Oh, there's nothing greater than that. Beloved, there's nothing greater than that. We can read books. We can quote Scripture. We can read the saints of old. We can study 
we can intellectually assent to certain truths of God's word. But beloved, when it comes down to it, when it comes down to it, the heart of it, the question of it is, do we hear his voice and do we follow Christ? They understood not what things they were which he spake unto them. And if you're here this morning and you're not Christ, the same condemnation falls on you. You understand not the things that we're speaking unto you this morning. You owe, you hear them, but you don't understand them. You may see them, but you don't perceive them. Christ said it himself in Matthew 13. He said, by hearing, you shall hear and shall in no wise understand. That's an amazing text. By hearing, you shall hear and shall in no wise understand. And seeing, you shall see and shall in no wise perceive. What a darkness that that is. What a, what a darkness that is. What a darkness we were in. Oh, I remember as a child going to church and I remember being there and present and I remember somebody standing up front and saying some things, but I never perceived it. I never heard it. But oh, do you recall the day when you first heard it? When the gospel was so clear and like a trump sounding within your heart and your mind, convicting you of your sins and telling you and showing your unworthiness and then showing and revealing you the mercy and grace of God. The Father gave you unto the Son and when He did, the Son called you by the preaching of the gospel out of darkness and the light and suddenly the book comes alive. Prayer comes alive. When you're praying, you're not just praying to yourself. Or others, you're praying to Christ. You're praying to God. One Christian asked an old Puritan preacher one time, I have trouble praying, my heart's so cold. He said, then brother, pray until your heart's on fire. Christian, a true Christian, and hears the voice of Christ, they, they receive... God's Word into their hearts. They're acquainted with it. They hear it. They understand it. They perceive it. And it comforts them. It shows them the way they they must go. It's a light under their path. Prayer, when they pray, they're not praying to themselves. They're praying to Christ. They hear but understand not. His words have no effect, no influence. No fruit upon their hearts and lives. They see, Christ said, yet perceive not. They're not aware of it. They're not conscious of it. Those whom Christ knows and are known of Him hear and know His voice. My sheep hear my voice. Verse 27 of chapter 10. My sheep hear my voice and I know them. And again, that's the heart of this verse. <laughs> that's, the, that's the main purpose of it. That's the blessing of it. And I know them. And they follow me. You know, in this one verse, Christ gives us the divine evidence or the fruit that's manifested in those who hear his voice and whom Christ knows. And so many, so often, people pass over this last part of verse 27. And I know there's great riches in the beginning of this verse, but the latter four words are the fruits. 
of those who know and hear the voice of Christ and whom Christ knows. And here's the fruits, and they follow me. Christ doesn't say, I'm not, an intellectual assent to me is not enough. You can claim to know my voice. That's not enough. The evidence of you hearing my voice is when you follow me. You follow me. Not the world. Not sin. Not Satan. When you follow me. My sheep follow me. He says also in verse 4, My sheep follow him, and they, for they know his voice. Let there be no mistake, dearly beloved. Those who truly hear and know the shepherd's voice will follow him. Not only out of great love and adoration for the voice of the shepherd. Now listen to me, there's a twofold reason why we follow him. Not only out of great love and adoration, the love of Christ constraineth us, saith Paul. Oh, our love to Christ constraineth us to follow him. But even more so, out of reverence and homage. Are you listening to me? This isn't a request. Christ isn't saying, if you hear my voice and I know you, then you need to follow me. No, Christ is saying, they will follow me. Listen to this. Here's the sovereign Lord, and they follow me. There's no question to it. There's no question. You know Psalm 23, 1? Everybody knows that. The Lord is my shepherd. And everybody's like, yes, the Lord's my shepherd. I shall not want. He leadeth. He maketh me lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still walk. The Lord is my shepherd. But don't forget how the psalm begins. The Lord. You know what the Lord is in that text? Jehovah. Jehovah God is my shepherd. You see the... You see the duality of that? You see the sovereignty of God and the tenderness of a shepherd? This is what makes God and Christ so wonderful to the believer. He's God. He's the sovereign God. And yet He condescends in tenderness to take care of my every need, to love me and have compassion for me. But He's still Jehovah God. This isn't some wimpy shepherd here saying, well, I hope my sheep follow me. No, it's unconditionally said, and they follow me. And they follow me. The very blessed balance and comforting assurance in the sovereign authority and yet loving kindness of our good shepherd who is our Lord Jehovah. There's comfort knowing that sheep take comfort. Not only does the voice of the shepherd calm their timidness and their frightfulness, but the safety and security becomes because they know the shepherd rules them. The sheep simply don't do what they want. Have you ever seen a shepherd go, hey, you guys go do what you want? I like the combination of this in Psalm 23. For though he's a good shepherd, he maketh us to lie down in green pastures and lead us beside still waters. He restores our soul. He leads us in the path of righteousness' sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. What is it that comforts him? His rod and his staff. You see the shepherd, though his voice calms and gives assurance, he has a rod and a staff. You see, our good shepherd's not some wimpy shepherd. He is a shepherd. He's sovereign Lord. That is comfort for you and I as sheep. And they follow me. This is not a request. Nor is it left up to the sheep to decide or choose to follow Christ. 
I have decided to follow Jesus. It's a good little song. There's no decision to be made. It's already made for the sheep. Can you imagine a shepherd standing there saying, okay, anybody who wants to follow me, follow me. And if you don't want to follow me, you just do your own thing. No, the shepherd says, no, you're mine. You're my property. You belong to me. Well, wait a minute. We got one that's rebellious. That's no problem. I got a sheep dog, which is called a pastor. They were going after you and bark and yell and bite and all that other kind of stuff, but I also got a rod and a staff. You ain't going nowhere. You're not going to do what you want to do. You're my sheep. You think I'm going to let you alone? Sometimes believers have this thinking in their mind that they've done something so terribly wrong that God can't bring it back under control. Let me tell you something. He can bring it back under control, and He will. You're His sheep, whether you're obeying Him at the moment or whether you're rebelling against Him. He's still your shepherd. And He'll not leave you. It is sovereignly yet lovingly determined and commanded by the Good Shepherd that we follow Him. Why is that so important? Let me tell you, in all 40 years of being a Christian, there's sometimes in my life I've made such some of the biggest mistakes. We don't believe in sinless perfection. We believe in confession and repentance. And sometimes we make decisions and we wonder whether we made the right one. God, as our good shepherd, will never leave us to make the decision on our own. Even if we make a wrong decision, believe me, the shepherd will not let you sit there <laughs> and fall into a, a ditch. You remember the 99? He leaves him in the wilderness and goes and finds one until he finds it. He seeks it till he finds it. Let me tell you something. There's comfort knowing that our good shepherd is sovereign. They follow me. It's not a request. They follow me. What if they get out of hand? I can take care of that sheep too. Beloved, the sheep have no say-so. Nor is his wishes and desires, now listen to me, nor is his wishes or desires requested. The shepherd don't stand there and say, okay, sheep, you decide what you want to do today and you go wherever you want. The sheep don't know where to go. They don't know how to find the good green pastures. Why do you think the psalmist says, he maketh me to lie down in green pastures? You come here and lie down on this. You come here and lie. What's green pastures? Pictures of word. You lie down on this. Sometimes we need to lie down in the word of God spiritually. Lie down in it and rest in it and feed upon it and nourish it and chew it over and over like a cow or a sheep does. Cod in their mouth. Just chew it over and over. Regurgitate it. He makes us to lie down. He leadeth us beside still waters. He don't ask if we want to be led there. He leadeth us. He restores our souls. Why? We couldn't restore it ourselves. There's comfort knowing that He not only tenderly cares for me, but that He's also my sovereign Lord. That when I err, He'll bring me back to the fold in spite of myself. 
psalmist said it best in Psalm 119, 176. He said, I've gone astray like a lost sheep. I've gone astray like a lost sheep. Seek thy servant, for I do not forget thy commandments. You see what he's saying? I've gone astray. Sheep is best only in going astray. <laughs> not finding the way. Seek thy servant. Wow, we can meditate on that for a while. I've gone astray like a lost sheep. Seek thy servants. You're going to have to find me because I'm astray. I don't know where I'm going. I don't. And I'm sure that video I seen yesterday with the sheep up in the up on the mountains in the in the fog, they were separated from one another. And you could tell because when they came down, they didn't come down as a group. They're all scattered. Huh? They're scattered over the hill. They probably couldn't even see one another. Couldn't see the other sheep. But oh, when he began calling, when he began calling, it pierced through the darkness. It pierced through that thick fog. And they said, I'm going to follow the voice. I'm going to follow the voice. And I say, dearly beloved, when you're in a place in your life where fog and darkness covers you, you don't know. Even the scripture says that when you're walking in darkness and have no light, stay and trust upon your God. You follow that voice. The king of love, my shepherd is. I love that hymn. I love that hymn. Perverse and foolish oft I strayed, but yet in love he sought me, and on his shoulder gently laid and home rejoicing brought me. You know, if being Christ's sheep was dependent upon us, we would have quickly strayed and left the fold many, many years ago. Why are you so secure? Why are you so assured of your eternal happiness in Christ? Because I give unto them eternal life, and they shall not perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand, and that any man is myself, excluded not just other men, myself. You're not going to pluck your... A shepherd does never give up on a sheep. Never, ever has he give up on a sheep. He'll never give up on his sheep. My Father, which gave them me, he even gives a greater assurance, my Father, which gave them me, is greater than all. And no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. How much more secure can you and I be as God's people? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. We understand, we acknowledge that we shall not want only when we're acquainted with the reality that he's my shepherd. Then, as the Psalms ends, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell, I will dwell, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And they follow me. Not only is it a sovereign Lord and shepherd, but there's also created in the heart of the sheep an eagerness, a longing, a unquenchable desire to follow Christ. And I want to close with that point. Not only is there a sovereign command that we follow him, but beloved, because he's called us and the Father's given us unto him, he creates in us an eagerness, a longing, 
and an unquenchable desire to follow Christ. We want to follow Christ. We don't follow the ways of the world anymore. We don't follow our own sinful desires. We follow Christ. Whom have I in heaven but thee? The psalmist cried. And there's none upon earth that I desire beside thee. When the Lord answered, what is the great commandment? He said, love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and all thy soul and all thy mind. mind." It's a command that God enables us to keep in Christ. If you love me, keep my commandments. There's a difference now made in the believer. Not Not only do we hear the voice of our shepherd and that he knows us, but now he's given us a desire to follow him. Even in the death, if need be. We follow Christ because we love Him. It's all about Christ. We sacrifice things for Christ. If you've never sacrificed anything for Christ, you've never lived for Christ. I will run the way of thy commandments. The psalmist said, I will run the way of thy commandments when thou shalt enlarge my heart. You see, there is an eagerness. You see, when Christ called us out of sin, the election, the thing that so many people have a problem with, God didn't rope us in and drag us, and we're kicking and screaming and hollering, saying, I don't want it, I want it. God finally convinced us, no. He drew us with cords of love. He persuaded us to come willingly of ourselves, but it was his over-desiring love and compassion and mercy and grace towards our sins that made us run into his bosom. I like what Romans 8 says, if if God the Father gave his Son for us to be the propitiation for our sins, what will God withhold from us? Nothing. I love that. Romans 8, it begins with no condemnation to those who are in Christ, and it ends with no separation. No condemnation, no separation. And everything in between are the benefits of no condemnation, no separation. For to me to live is Christ. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. They follow me. Union. It's to be in the same way. It's to imitate. Oh, to be like the blessed Redeemer. We want to be like Christ. Like that old hymn, stamp thine image in its place. Till Christ be formed in thee, Paul said as a mother that travails. We want to be more like Christ. We want more of Christ. And I'll close, I promise, with Philippians chapter 3. Because Paul expresses it better than I ever could. Philippians chapter 3, verse 7 to 14. But what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. Doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung that I may win Christ. 
Paul's been saved over 30 years when he wrote this brief. What do you mean when Christ? There's so much more we don't know of Christ. So much more to be learned of Christ. So much more. And be found in him not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being made conformable unto his death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after. I follow after. They follow me. If that I may apprehend that for which also I'm apprehended of Christ Jesus. It's like Paul constantly reaching for something and Christ gives him just enough to keep him going. And that's his Christian life, isn't it? God just kind of almost lays those breadcrumbs out. We get a little bit of taste of heaven and we want more. And he lays out more and we want more. It just, it's like those who hunger shall be filled, right? It's a paradox. Those who hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be filled. We hunger and thirst at the same time for Christ. Reaching forth unto those things which are before I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man can pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. What better assurance, what better words to take home with us today on the Lord's Day to contemplate and meditate and spend time with Christ than those. He is our good shepherd. Amen. Listen to his voice. Find comfort in it. Let it calm your timid and frightful souls. And when you're going to find yourself in the darkness and fogginess of this pilgrimage to this barren world of sin, open up the word of God and listen to the voice or listen for the voice of your shepherd. He will surely speak to you even more clear than literal words. Amen. Spend some time in the word of God and with Christ. and Rejoice in what we have in Christ. Amen. Oh, what a joy it's going to be to see him. If you don't do it now, if you don't spend time with Christ and rejoice in his presence now, even though it's through a dark uh, glass, a glass darkly, believe me, beloved, you're not going to have strong yearnings for heaven. But you spend more time with Christ alone, and I'm telling you, the things of this world shall grow strangely dim, and Christ, Christ will become more lovely and adorable. And all you and I is going to learn for is to be in his presence. Jesus, the very thought of thee with sweetness fills my breast. <laughs> but I long to see thee face to face and in thy bosom rest. Our Father, we ask now that, Lord, you'd bless the preaching of thy word to the hearts of thy children. Father, I pray you'd forgive me where I've failed and anything that I've said Lord God, that is not worth anything, remove it from their hearts and let thy word and thy word alone remain in their hearts. Inspire them, I pray, dear God, enhance their longing to know more of Christ. Oh, Lord, I pray and I thank you so much for calling us out of a world of darkness into thy glorious kingdom. Oh, Father, I pray you'd be honored and glorified. And if there be one here this morning that knows not the voice of Christ, that's never heard it, is not acquainted with it, I pray this morning the Holy Spirit of God would convict them 
and give them a longing and a yearning to know Christ. Help them to understand their need of his mercy and grace. Father, we pray that you'd be honored and glorified in all that's said and done. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.